When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. The following is a presentation of Morning Drive Media. From the center of the galaxy, this is a Force Center podcast feed. I'm Ken Napsok for another edition of Force Center, the big show, the main show, the superstar destroyer of our fleet, the Jabba's sail barge of our party, and the uh, emperor of our own galactic senate. Uh, I'm Ken Napsok here with Joseph <laughs> Scrimshaw, Jennifer Landa. We are fresh off a successful. Uh, I'm just going to say it. I don't pat myself on the back often, but I'm patting you guys on the back as well, so I feel less guilty about it. A very successful 
appearance at Stanley's LA Comic Con with the Star Wars counseling, uh, which uh, hopefully by this time uh, this airs, we've we've got it up. Some tech problems uh, kept us from our beautiful recording being aired, but we got a backup, and it was so good. But Joseph, Jennifer, so glad to be in the same room with you again and uh, riding high here in the Force yeah, World. Yeah, I think the Star Wars counseling episode will sound. Sort of beautiful. It'll be great. It'll be perfect. It'll be like a little, little bit of dodgy CGI and uh, the special editions. It'll be almost beautiful. Uh, yeah, but it'll be out. Yeah. What was the last description that you used? You were trying out a new one. Mm-hmm. We got the Star Destroyer. We got the, the Sail Barge. We're, we're emperor we're in the, the control of our own domain? We are the emperor of our, of our own galactic senate? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if that makes was, anything. I was tickled by it. Uh, chancellor. Like it. We're the chancellor of our... We're the chancellor Vilchem of right. our own Hosnian Prime. <laughs> We're in our spinning pod in the Senate. <laughs> I like it. Uh, Jennifer, you're yes, here? I am here. It feels good to be with you guys to talk politics. Yeah. Star Wars politics. <laughs> That's right. We just thought we'd get Star Wars out of the way for a week and dig in. So this is being released on the general election day here in the United States of America. I know we do have some uh, listeners from outside the boundaries of this fine country, but uh, we figured it'd be perfectly timed and apropos to have a discussion about Star Wars politics so we can crawl into that safe bubble, Joseph, and not the one that's really going to affect us. Um, But we are going to have that discussion here in a bit. But as always, we do like to talk about some of the recent Star Wars news and give our take on it, even though we might have had a chance to talk about it other places or just by ourselves in a car driving through L.A. traffic. Uh, And Jennifer, as always, you are here to lead us through the Star Wars news landscape. Join me. Uh, <laughs> or die. Or die, yeah. Uh, let's talk about Bradford Young. Collider, what? your new uh, Yeah, my new home. Yeah, has a great interview with the new Han Solo Films cinematographer, Bradford Young. He talks about how he initially wasn't sure that his style would mesh with Lord and Miller's style, uh, but then they shared their vision for the Han Solo story and some of their photographic ideas, and it was after that that he became on board. Hmm. What I thought was interesting about this interview is that Bradford Young says that Lord and Miller are subversive filmmakers who have a lot to say and that this new Han Solo film is going to be, quote, complex, layered, smart, visual, dramatic, funny, uneasy, and unexpected. Wow, it sounds like he was creating a multiple choice test. <laughs> Will it be all of these things or all of the above? I think that that's really, the more I hear about this film, the more excited I really? get. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I me too, but... I think it's yeah. because initially I was like, oh, this is just, you know, Han Solo, they're going for an, right. an easy win. It's going to be a popcorn blockbuster type film. But I right. think what he's talking about, which is what I loved about the Lego movie, is that it is going to maybe tackle some larger issues. Ah. I think it's not just going to be a ah, fun adventure Han Solo. There might mm. be a little bit more nuance to the story. Some nuance. Okay. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm glad to hear that you're enthusiastic of this film. Not that you were ever not. Oh, I was not. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I remember I those not. days. Those dark days. The yeah. dark days. How do you guys feel about this? I feel great. I feel like it is leading me to think that we are going to get uh, much more of an origin story because mm-hmm. in order to have it not just be a fun lark with a lovable space pirate, if it's going to get into real issues that are affecting Han, mm. then that that to me says it's going to be a, a tale of forming him of like what issues cr- uh, in the galaxy that he is he reacting to to make him the Han Solo we know. Right. Which mm. I'm okay with because I like the team involved. Yeah. Yeah. 
See, I'm I'm a fan of Lord Miller's work overall, and 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 um, really likes like like Last Man on Earth is like one of my favorite mm. TV shows, and and the Lego Movie are definitely known for comedy or known that way. Um, and I and, and Joseph, you can agree. And I said this on Jedi Council last week, like uh, to Mark Ellis, as comics, we understand that. It takes a lot to be funny. Yeah. So it's not a surprise when we can go dramatic. Um, Jim Carrey, for example, in Truman Show or some of his earlier work, it's like, oh, hey, the guy from In Living Color can be serious. Well, of course he can. Comic <laughs> yeah. can be serious. So I didn't have that fear that Lord Miller was going to turn this into a sitcom, but the light tone and the look of it was something I kind of wondered, how are they going to pull this off? Um, you get, uh, you get uh, Bradford Young, who did uh, Selma, the cinematographer in Selma, Arrival is out now that is uh, just wowing audiences for its look. Yeah. You're going to, to me, and I keep using this lived-in word because that's what uh, news types talk about, lived-in world for Star Wars. (laughs) It's going to, immediately I go in confident that it's going to have a realistic feel to it. Yeah. And then I'll be more into... Donald Glover having some fun as Lando or Han Solo had some wisecracks. And then if it goes fun and funny, uh, it will still look like Star Wars to me, not look like a TV show. Yeah. That makes Absolutely. any sense. Yeah. I it's, hope that it ends up being about Han Solo being screwed over by believing in things. Because uh, that, le- in a big picture way, that leads us to who he is. And it creates both drama and... And comedy, because mm-hmm. you, if you watch somebody again and again go like, well, I'm going to try to join this group, and they screwed mm-hmm. me, and I'm going to try to join this group, and they screwed me, that can be pitched dramatically and humorously. I love uh, that. that strikes a, a Casino Royale chord with me. Yeah. Which was one of the strengths was it was Bond with an attachment, and the b- attachment cost him, and it broke him, and whether or not they carried that on in the other Daniel Craig Bonds, just as Bond as a character, it brought some depth that I don't think they'd ever touched on before on screen to me, Yeah, and that could work with Han, where um, there's definitely some things in the solo comic that's going on right now about about people are like aren't you just a pirate you know you don't believe in things and 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 his growth from new hope to hokey religions and it's true all of it yeah um <laughs> it's fascinating to that character so to to get maybe a starting point you got go picture joseph oh awesome awesome <laughs> wow. let's green light that get yeah. out your dl 44 on huh? that's great yeah i think that for me i you know i'm, I'm still not sure about alden ehrenreich yeah i'm thinking sure. casting i'm sure yeah. they're, they're confident with him and same thing with Donald Glover, but I think the story and the look of the film is what's going to win me over, and it'll kind yeah. of put me at ease when I'm in the theater, like, alright, I'm into this story, Yeah. yeah. instead of being And one final note for me on it, too, uh, Bradford Young, great talent, I'm glad they brought him in, but he says what I, a lot of other people seem to industry people who are working on it when they talk about this movie, it's like, oh, it's gonna, it's unexpected. Like, there's a lot of people, right. a lot of lo- expectations seem to be low or in a different <laughs> box. And suddenly it's like, oh, I read the script and don't worry about it. Like, yeah. which shows that we're not alone in worrying about it. Yeah. Yes. If, if he, if there's like beautiful vistas, if he's out on the, like a plateau of some floral planet and yeah. it's <gasps> beautiful in the background and it feels heavy and weighty and he walks into the frame and he's about to tough talk somebody and he trips over a rock a little bit. Like, mm-hmm. and you get that juxtaposition <laughs> between like the Han Solo, like luck and the, and the beauty, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I think that could and, be great. You know, I think I, I just, uh, we need a really good, solid, identifiable Han Solo theme. Yes. Yeah. You know what oh I mean? my God. Yeah. yeah. You know, Han's theme. Han. Do, 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 do. Oh, that's the Ewoks. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that would work. Yeah. Yeah. This movie could be good. Oh, as well. 
let's talk about Rogue One a little bit. Um, in an interview with USA Today, Rogue One director Gareth Edwards shed some light on the character of Krennic and his place in the Empire. Initially, Ben Mendelsohn asked Edwards if he should adopt a very posh English accent for his role of Krennic, like Tarkin, uh, Peter Cushing, and all the other British guys working for the Empire. But Edwards <laughs> liked the idea that Krennic is more of a working class bloke who rose in the ranks, quote, through sheer force of personality and ideas. But it's actually his working class background that prevents Krennic from being accepted into the Empire's Boys Club, which is going to cause some problems between Krennic and Tarkin. And and uh, Gareth Edwards actually mentioned Tarkin. So I'm kind of wondering, are we going to even see, are we just going to hear about Tarkin? Right. Or yeah. Are they going to go and try and cast someone? I mean, I think I we're going to see a Tarkin. I'm going to I'm going to just put my Tarkin out there. Mm. I think we're going to see a Tarkin. Yeah, hopefully it's not back of the head. Hopefully it's not CGI of Peter Cushing. Right, which had been which rumored, had been rumored yeah. a long time ago, but I think we're going to see some Tarkin. Yeah, and and the guy from Sith they really made up and altered and it kind of worked for me was my favorite sort thing. of it looked like if tarkin was like a villain on scooby-doo and had yes. like a plastic mask that was gonna be ripped <laughs> off to realize yes. it's not tarkin it was yes. just old so-and-so you know yeah yeah it almost worked uh but i think we're gonna see tarkin i also like the the notion that krennic is going to be fighting not just you know the rebels but he's also going to be fighting internally with his own people yeah i think that gives the villain a different dimension than just this typical bad guy yeah i I like it a lot. I like it a lot, and uh, I didn't doubt. Uh, I definitely didn't doubt Mendelssohn as the as the guy cast. But right. I don't want to say doubted Krennic. But even when I some of the problems I had with the second trailer was making jokes about business meetings with Vader and <laughs> Krennic, um, and this. I don't want to say changes that perception of mine from the trailer. Again, the trailer's a separate thing. But from the movie, uh, this does add a new wrinkle and some depth to Krennic, that he is kind of the guy from the docks of Manchester uh, or Liverpool and and is uh, now got to go into posh London and work with these guys. And I, there's something about that that's yeah. not something explored or dealt with yet in Star Wars on the Imperial yeah. side. I love the idea that he's like, you know, uh, I come from a working class background that actually builds things like the Death Star. I build right. space stations, <laughs> and you posh don't know how to build space I, I know how to build space stations. Yeah. Right. I also like that I doubt it'll be dealt with in any depth, but I like the story that it tells about the way the Emperor chose to construct the Empire of who would I like in command of my, you know, military hateful organization right. i want upper class assholes <laughs> yeah. who look down on everybody <laughs> right? at the top like yeah. way another way to generate hate yeah. good job yeah. darth sidious yeah mm. love it so it's, it's actually um one of the things i think i as it's my faith in rogue one has always been in place but as i get nervous as we get close to it yeah which has nothing to do with anything trailers or otherwise i watched the new tv spot that came out the other day and I actually in a shorter version liked it yeah it's um, commitment it's getting closer and you could be hurt by rogue one yes this is and you know joseph you know my romantic life i very it's very tough for me to open up emotionally i know you very hard for me to in. commit and i have to the rogue one is calling to you let it in. <laughs> um, and Krennic, this is a wrinkle that I love to explore that side because you know I love my Imperial officers. I yep. I love my motis, my tags, my ozzles, my piets, and Ger Gerards. Yeah. And yeah. I like this. This is uh, uh, something I'm now excited for a character I thought just had a cake. Yeah. 
Oh, uh, One thing in that article scared me what? a lot. Wait, what? Oh. The, the, the article said that Edwards also said that they're using Vader sparingly. Oh, but we knew that. No, but I, here's the thing. Okay. I'm going to let a little bit of my dark side out. I'm going to be upset if he does not ignite his lightsaber and kill at least one person. He has to. He's got to, right? Agreed. If yeah, he's he just walking in between like smoke machines like he's at a heavy metal concert, like it's beautiful. It's great. It's aesthetic. <laughs> but if it is just dramatic entrance to business meeting, <laughs> it's just like... <laughs> Just like chronic. I will sign the pay slips now. Like I don't want it to just be business. He's got. I don't care if it's five seconds. He's got to kill Krennic. Yes, Lord Vader. My direct deposit. (laughs) Sign here, Lord Vader. Oh no, no! I think that he he'll be used sparingly, but he will be used well. Well, okay. Yeah, the fans we're gonna go nuts. Yeah, I'm looking forward to going nuts. Yeah, Yeah. no. Yeah, I'm I'm confident about Rogue One. Oh, thank you. I am excited, and another thing I am excited about are the special effects. Oh yeah. yeah. Yes, Star Wars creature designer Neil Scanlon was one of the people who brought BB-8 to life, and he believes that the new droid K2SO will also be a fan favorite. Mm. He told CNET that K2 is full of attitude and is the first droid with athletic prowess. In fact, Alan Tudyk, whose performance was motion captured, wore stilt-like prosthetic legs and jumped around. Mm. Uh, Scanlon believes that blending practical with CGI effects is the best of both worlds, but that he does have an affinity for practical effects. And this is a quote that I loved. He said, quote, something deep inside us knows when something is real. It may not be as mind-blowing as CGI, but we accept it in our heart and soul, end quote. That, it kind of reminded me what we talked about in Star Wars Counseling uh, in the panel. You know, it it is, for me, I will always love practical effects, even Mm -hmm. if they don't, you know, Yoda can't jump around and whatever. Like, I just love the puppet, and I think that Neil Scanlon, that's why, is because we we recognize that it's real. It may not be as good, but I don't care. Yeah, and I think Force Awakens demonstrates, in it's what he's talking about here, is finding that middle ground. Exactly. Of if you really can't tell if there's nothing in the CGI that gives you that uncanny valley feeling, mm-hmm. then great. And there's, you know, so many CGI shots in The Force Awakens, just that they're used in such a way where the things that have soul and need to be real are. Right, exactly. Yeah, the biggest thing looking back on the prequels, the, the, the mistake I might say of the CGI is just like the fact that you could tell even the Emperor's office was fake. Mm. You yeah. know, it wasn't a lived in set. It was a green screen set. And, and that to me takes me out more than, yeah, I, well, I should, the clones all being CGI generated, it takes me out of it. But if one or two more things had been a little bit more real uh, in in the prequels, I, I would have come away with it feeling better. Whereas Force Awakens, you mentioned, does a great job. I mean, more special effects shots in the, that movie probably than all of the movies <laughs> yeah. combined, because that's just the age we live in. But the scene with Kylo Ren where they digitally re- returned his helmet to his head, you know, and put it back on, and I couldn't tell yeah. at all. And that's how we are to that point. And there's a lot of stuff in Rogue One. Yes. Um, there's that shot of, of the Death Star's uh, um, Death Star being finished, and the cruiser goes by. It's all digital. And John Knoll and his team were celebrating. They watched the first trailer reactions, and we're like, thanks to everyone, tears in our eyes. You didn't know it was a computer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I like that a lot, but I like I like Neil's comments, and I like the stuff about K2SO because 
that's kind of a key character uh, in the sense of, uh, you know, Jar Jar went wrong, BB-8 could have gone wrong, but didn't. And this is another one of those characters to me that it's going to be important that it works right. And so far in all the trailers, I, I have not had a problem K- with K2SO at all. No. Mm-hmm. Seems like a great way they approached it. Yeah, and Tudic is, uh, I think, so funny, and I think that that will come through in the motion capture. Yeah, mm-hmm. and for me, I love, you know, as we we all know, I love Beastan, and mm-hmm. I like Moroff from what I've seen, yeah. because they are these, basically, like, puppets, people yeah. in suits, I, I'm assuming. Um, and so that, for me, that touches my heart. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping Beastan the Space Monkey has at least two shots. Oh, I, I, I swear, it's probably just going to be him <laughs> yeah. and the Ewing, and that's going to be it. I will be, be so it. upset. Well, I'll tell you what, since we last talked, I did go get that Ewing Lego set. Oh, you did? Yeah, yeah, I did. What I does had it look to. Like? Well, I don't take them out of the packages yet, Jennifer. Oh, um, no. I don't build them, but it's got it's got Pistone on there. <laughs> Maybe you can have a special uh, Lego building force center video. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> we build the Ewing uh, together. Oh god! Well, you know, here's something that's actually upset people, as I've been mm. seeing online. Uh, Rogue One may not have the iconic opening crawl. StarWarsNews.net has a source that claims that Rogue One opens in a way that's quote different than the classic Star Wars films. So I don't think that this should come as any surprise because both Kathleen no. Kennedy and Gareth Edwards talked about that, that it, they were debating whether or not to even use it. Um, I was trying to think, how is it going to open then? I kind of wanted to do like a, like a cold open of some mm-hmm. you know, crazy battle on Jeddah mm-hmm. and then cut to the, to the title of the film, Rogue One, mm-hmm. and then go into, I don't know, whatever else. Yeah. Like, I, yeah. I think, yeah, I think the tricky thing is... If they do want to give information that sets it for an audience who just wandered in, it's like, it's a Star Wars movie. Where's Aww. Finn? If they do want to give some text information about when it happens, that's important. how to do that that doesn't uh, imitate the opening crawl that's different enough, I think that's a challenge. But beyond that, I'm thrilled with this choice. I think really? it's the right choice by a lot. Why? Because we keep talking about how, how can the Star Wars uh, galaxy expand? That we need to tell different stories. And Rogue One, I think, financially needs to have be relatively well connected to Star Wars as we know it, so people recognize it as Star Wars. But it really needs to stake the claim of, look, these movies can be different and they can still sell. Because mm-hmm. that's the only way we're going to get our Western. That's the only way we're going to get our Star Wars horror movie. That's the only way we're going to get our Star Wars rom-com. Right. Is if Rogue One proves it can be different and it's okay, then they can be more different. Mm-hmm. And that's the way I think the, the movies are going to survive. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. 
$45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. As, as always, you, you are smart and articulate, but let's do this as this was Fox News. <laughs> Joseph, you're an idiot. Get out of my life. No, um, I, I think you're right. I think they have to make those brave decisions. Um, Luke only showing up at the end was one of those brave decisions. Mm-hmm. But as far as the anthology, standalones, it's got to be different. I just I think of all the changes, this is the one that I don't understand the most if okay. they were going to make it. Because if anything needed three paragraphs to explain it, it would be this, <laughs> hey, guys, here's where it is. But I know that they know – I know that they know. I, feel, I sound like Tyrion Lannister. I'm pretty sure you know. I entirely know what you know. Um, they've got to make that – they've got to make the decision, and this would be one of the places. So unless it's an announcer – Opening up Dateline, long time ago, far, far away. The Republic is in trouble. Oh, you know, yeah. unless it's that, um, I, you know, I don't know how else they're going to get the message across. Uh, I, I don't know. Flashbacks previously on Star Wars. <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> in the future on Star Wars. Yeah. I just have to trust them and in turn trust you, Joseph, that they're yeah. making the right decision. I get it. I just, the novels have crawls. The comics have crawls. Everything else in Star Wars has crawls. The video games have crawls. Video often. games have yeah. crawls. It's such a part. It's like when the 20th Century Fox fanfare was removed because of a company change. That still feels like a part of Star Wars. Yeah, I just we yeah. got over it. And again, I I agree with some of my other colleagues. Like, it's 45 seconds. It's I'll forget about it once the movie starts. Right. I'm not going to let it drag any of my enjoyment down. It's just to me a weirder weirder decision. But I get it. Yeah. I will be pissed if it, you go in there and there is an opening crawl. It's just like not the perspective and it just there's just a crawl or there's just a title right. card oh, that gives yeah. that does the same thing and no. it, they got to find a way to make way it to unique because that is my whole argument to prove that these movies can be unique. Yeah. I think also you need to make the saga films special. Yep. Yeah. So you're going to try to knock it out of the park with every movie. So Rogue One is already kind of stepping on some of the things that the new sure. movies can do by 
introducing new ships, new characters, new ideas. So you're yeah. already bleeding into what the saga films can do to feel special. Yeah. So some things got to say saga only so they feel like... And cold open would be one of the things. It'd be dramatic. Uh, and I think we've mentioned before, but, but yeah, it would be a, a way to start it that no other Star Wars film has really started. Sith... Sith is the one that starts with the most action yeah. other than New Hope. New Hope, mm. of course, iconic in the way it starts. Um, but Sith, you're right into it. I love the opening of Sith. Yeah, Music, great. boom, 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 boom. And some really, you make fun of the prequel CGI? Watch that scene. There's some great CGI yeah. in that one, at least, at least I think there is. Uh, but a cold open, maybe a rebel team trying to get something. Yeah. A door opens, red lightsaber ignites, and Vader kills everybody, and the movie starts. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Except for Bistan yeah. is in there, and he escapes. <laughs> Then perfect opening for Rogue One. He's for the Team one Force that gets Center. back to the Yavin floor yeah. and is oh like, oh, God. there's some trouble brewing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm assuming that's his voice. I'm like, that's his voice? Okay, I'll, I'll take it. No, I think that Princess Leia. I think he communicates only through high-pitched screaming. I think that's his language. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'll take that. I'll take that. But I do think, and this is one of the reasons why I like the trailer, I think that they're trying to show people where this is set in the time and get all that out of the way before they even get into it. It is why, going back, I'm still stuck on that damn second trailer. I apologize. (laughs) I will move past it. I've worked through it. I did my apology episode uh, by not apologizing. But um, it's why I understand my problems a lot with that trailer is I understand what they need to do. Yeah. There's some people who are like, what's a Star Wars? again oh, okay got it and that's not an insult to those people because other people have lives and i don't but um i understand it's a big picture that they have to get across and they have to this is a this is a riskier proposition than even force awakens mm-hmm. this movie yeah it, it could fall flat it could fall flat yeah but i don't think it's going to don't think which so. i think leads us to our last bit of newsy business right yeah uh, which is rogue one box office predictions <sighs> Let's yeah, let's kids. do some. Yeah, because yeah. uh, back uh, last year uh, when we had just mm-hmm. started and yeah. uh, I was still doing Jedi Alliance, there mm-hmm. was a lot of talk about Force Center uh, box office predictions and yeah. a lot of back and forth about it. Yeah. Because December traditionally had not been a blockbuster right. month that no movie ever makes an well, incredible well, amount of what money. What was it previously? Was was it like Hunger Games or something? Oh, it was I something like that. Yeah, I, I'm forgetting what the movie was, but right. something had done like 80 million. Yeah, and they're like, woo, yeah. 80 yeah. million. So people's predictions were doubted about mm-hmm. Force Awakens, and then it utterly destroyed uh, biggest domestic opening yeah. weekend yeah. ever. Yeah. Uh, and I, I'm fascinated now with Rogue One because I feel almost like Disney and Lucasfilm are wanting the saga to be the big one yeah, and just saying like, look, this is going to be a little bit smaller and that's okay. They're kind of downplaying it. Right. Didn't make as big of a deal out of force Friday. They're right. not, uh, as we're recording, allegedly the tickets are going on sale tomorrow. That's the rumor, yeah, right. well, but there's no announcement. It's not an event. You know, right. they're not making this an event. It's right. just a star Wars movie and they're marketing it well, but it's just a movie. It's not an event. Right. Right. Which I wonder what that's going to do to the box office. I'll tell you what. I still think I'm going to go uh, domestic opening day weekend, right? Is that what we're saying? International mm-hmm. can be a little weird in different times. Uh, domestic opening box office, I'm saying 225. Really? 225. You I think, think it'll be that high? Wow. The power of those words. It won't be the 250 of Force Awakens, um, but I still think it's. I still think it's. It's still Star Wars. Yeah. And. We're seeing what Marvel can do by churning them out. I'm not yet worried about Star Wars fatigue. God forbid I ever am worried about that, but uh, I'm going 225-ish. 
Wow. Wow. Okay. The price is right. Um, I'm going to say, well, I, I, what are the other films coming out that weekend? It's, oh, there's one, right? Like there's a rom-com or something. I think so. I can't. I would, no, that was last year with Amy Poehler and uh, that, yeah, Sisters. Uh, Sisters uh, was out. last year. This year, I feel like it's something similar. Yeah. I it is. I think that yes, I'm going to say two hundred million, maybe at the lowest one eighty. Okay, but I think two hundred. I think people are still really excited about Star Wars. They haven't needed to promote it as much, get that hype going. Yeah. Create. I think that they're going to save it for Episode Eight. That kind of like event. The, the only thing that is wide and a threat—it not a threat—but uh, the counter programming is La La Land. Oh, which is getting that's getting good great reviews. reviews, and there's a lot of anticipation. But that ain't going to knock off Star Wars. No, I think the big thing is what the family uh, situation is going to be. So when yep. Rogue One finally rolls out, we're going to see exactly the balance they struck between making it a war movie mm-hmm. that, that feels different because it's serious, it's war, it's violent, versus can you bring your six-year-old and it's kind of fine if you mm-hmm. warn them about this one scary scene. That's right. what I was thinking. Because I think if it does walk that line, which I think it does because I think they suddenly realized we just introduced... Uh, you just billions of six-year-olds to Star Wars. We're going to tone a few things down in Rogue One so they can still come. Yep. And I, if I think if they do that, I think my prediction is it will do at least uh, 175. Mm-hmm. It might not make it to the stratospheric mm-hmm. heights because it's not an event movie, because I think there'll be some confusion mm-hmm. in the general populace about what it is. But I also think it's going to go super high because we've had a bad run of films uh, it's, there's certainly been a lot of horrible box office in the fall. Right. Uh, and there's been a lot of disappointing blockbusters this summer. So I think there's a hunger. Mm-hmm. So if it's good, I think that's going to be huge. That's a really good point about the family angle. I was thinking about that. I was like, would I take my five-year-old to this film? I <laughs> I mean, quite frankly, it's like, do I get a babysitter or not? And if, <laughs> and if you don't have to get a babysitter and you can make this this fun event with your kid, that's awesome. And other parents are going to tell other parents, like, hey, take your kid. It was, it was great. Yeah, there was this one scene. So I think that they're going to toe the line, though, because they're smart like that. Yeah. They have to. For merchandise, my my daughter, who's like sixteen and a half months, we were at Costco this morning, and she's like looking at the Force Awakens toys and grabbing Kylo Ren, like ah, ah, you know, it's like we got to continue that with Rogue One. First of I all, want a Papa Killer. I uh, I, I want to just say thanks to the Lord uh, for making you survive Costco on a Sunday morning. Oh my gosh, Jennifer. that was awful. God be with you. That was a terrible decision. A true war movie. Now Jennifer goes to Costco on Sunday. morning. Morning. Yes, I'm like generous. So, there you have our, our four set of predictions. I'm going high, 225. Jennifer right in the middle, 220. Joseph being conservative, 175. But 175 is still enough to pay for your car if you work for Disney. That's right. So uh, still a good number. <laughs> still a good number. All right, from there, guys, thanks, Jennifer, for leading us through the news. We're going to get to the main topic. Like I said, politics is on the mind. It's been quite an election season over here in the United States of America. And if you're a, a listener on the outside of uh, our country's boundaries. Like I said, uh, you've probably been watching with the weird, fascinating snicker. Um, But we're... (laughs) We are through looking glass on that, but it's a perfect time to talk about politics in Star Wars. And it's an important thing. Yeah. Um, uh, It is a very, very important thing. Politics play a a major part in Star Wars and always have. And I I will start by saying one of the things that 
intrigued me early on and young, uh, as a young fan, was reading the Star Wars novel, Alan Dean Foster, written by George Lucas, quote-unquote, <laughs> Alan Dean Foster's work, and it starts with that passage, the, the now infamous and famous passage from the Journal of the Wills, and it talks about Senator Palpatine, or a man named Palpatine, who who rose to the ranks and declared himself emperor and surrounded himself by, you know, ne'er-do-wells and yes-men and bootlickers, and he locked himself away, and the, the galaxy went to crap. I'm yeah. paraphrasing, of course. As a young fan, it fascinated, that, it fascinated me because it talked about an era where things were different, and a man in political power is what changed it. And so I was always intrigued by it. One of the reasons I spent years looking for the General of the Wills as if it was a real book <laughs> that I had to find in a thrift store. You are not alone. <laughs> right? So politics definitely plays a part. I think we were spoiled a little bit because the original trilogy included a very, very small taste of it, we'll discuss. Then the prequels come along, and George Lucas decides he's going head-on into the politics, and was much maligned for it. The Simpsons parody of uh, Phantom Menace and the prequels is uh, spot on to a point of pain <laughs> when talking about the politics with an ATAT like Walker walking in to uh, read some legislation. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that said, it is a giant part, Joseph, so let us dive into this yeah. murky world. Yeah, I, I mean, I think the interesting thing is it is called Star Wars. Mm-hmm. We now have three cycles of wars that are being told in the saga films. Right. And you can't have wars without politics, I would argue rhetorically. That yeah. You can have disagreements. You can have scuffles. You can have, mm-hmm. it can be star, deals gone bad. <laughs> but without politics, you don't get wars, right? right? So I feel like it is part of the DNA. And the ongoing question is, how much should we see and what should the story of the politics be to be engaging and to get us to those wars because it's not star politics either. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's not Star Trek, which uh, does a great job with politics. Yeah. Because it's a different brand. They do a lot of trekking. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're fair to their name. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, Jennifer, what what is your gut reaction? Because Ken and I kind of shared our our gut reactions on politics and Star Wars. What's your gut reaction to them? My gut reaction, I kind of mentioned it uh, talking to you a little bit earlier, is that for me, the original trilogy does a, a very good job of presenting the politics in a kind of a, a simple way. Right. Um, you know, basically the empire is almost like the man mm-hmm. for in George Lucas's mind is clearly a yep. dictatorship. So for me, it, that was always the studio system. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, yeah. Basically. Right. So for me that I think that he incorporated it in a very nuanced way or right. in a way that I could digest for me, the prequels, I mean, I my eyes started glazing over a bit, you know, tra- the Trade Federation and the taxation and blah, blah, blah. It's just a different approach, but I'm starting to appreciate it a lot more as an adult. When I was mm-hmm. younger, it was a little bit harder to, for me to wade through. And another thing I mentioned w- to you was about how we cannot separate the creator mm-hmm. from his creation. Right, right. George Lucas as a man and his politics and his mm-hmm. idea on, you know, ideas on government is, shapes both the original trilogy and the prequels. Very yeah. much so. Very and, much so. You know, like where where we were during that time when he created Star Wars in the seventies and like Richard Nixon, he talks about how the Emperor was basically Richard Nixon. Um well, yeah, and who he was palling around with, right? right? Because he's palling around with other filmmakers who are making things like Apocalypse Now. Apocalypse and Now. And he's like, you know, hey I, I like Flash Gordon, uh, but I see the politics in it too. Mm-hmm. And right. he, he gets around to writing it and he's like, oh I should start the story here. Yeah. I think to his mind adding taxation and trade routes was not 
like what's Star Wars always been missing? <laughs> uh, like, or what's going to blow people's minds? Just like it's that's always the story to him. That's yeah. always been the story. Mm-hmm. And I think we can get back to the standard prequel conversation of maybe it's about execution, right? But it is one of the things that makes me want to dive in and try to see the best in the prequels because I feel like it was always his intention to tell a political story. Yes, absolutely, absolutely, I, and I absolutely. And, and the rise of Palpatine is you know again one of our favorite characters here. I think collectively in the Force Center team here. Uh, Joseph has uh, Emperor Palpatine poster up. Um, it's an odd choice, but um, it's up. The spotlight I thought was a bit much. It, do you mean the twelve month Palpatine calendar is two months for you? Every month, different take on Palpatine. Every month, wow. but um, the the intrigue of his rise and how a yes. normal man, a quote unquote normal man from Naboo, uh, becomes the Emperor of the Galaxy. It's a fascinating tale. An execution, yep, done wrong, maybe particularly. But when you go back now and you mention it. Jennifer, like now you appreciate it more. Absolutely. One of the things is I, in, in starting to accept the prequels as a thing that's there, is <laughs> less worrying about Jar Jar and Roger Roger and more focusing on the Phantom Menace being, to me, Palpatine. Mm. Yeah. And mm. how he created wars and created this and ended up creating a safe and secure society. <laughs> and how you fascinating that is. Cool call for a vote of no confidence. That was from the first time I saw it, the just the the absolute manipulation of that line in his delivery. Mm-hmm. I suppose you could call for a vote of no confidence. Like, and to me, it creates that question of how long has he and other people mm-hmm. uh, been doing that to the democracy? Right. Mm. Because when I first saw Phantom Menace, I expected to see a democracy that was functioning, that yeah. Obi-Wan described. Mm-hmm. And instead, we meet the democracy already having problems and being full of gridlock. To me, it's a fun interpretation game of, is the story that that's what happens to democracy, is when there are millions of voices, you get gridlock, or is it being undermined by Palpatine creating gridlock and other people like him creating gridlock? Mm. I would say the, yeah, definitely is more about this person who's hungry for power. It's almost like... You know, socialism versus like uh, you know these these greedy capitalists, sure. which I think that that's kind of what I see in the prequels, where it is more of this commentary on like kind of like the Bush administration mm-hmm. and this whole notion of like using wars and wars. Uh, was it the war on terror, which is basically never ending and is a way mm-hmm. to maintain control? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Uh, that's. I forgot what I was thinking. <laughs> it goes deep. I'm going it goes down this, I'm going down this uh, wormhole, but... Yeah. Well, I, I think that one of the cool things about all the political stories in Star Wars is if you want, you can map them on the real world. Mm-hmm. And I think George Lucas certainly was initially inspired by disliking the government of Richard Nixon and disliking Vietnam. Mm-hmm. And then by the time he got to tell the Vietnam story, very similar things were happening yeah. uh, in the Bush administration, at least to his belief. Right. Some people may disagree with that. Uh, but certainly s- similar actions were taking place. And I feel like even in Bloodline, which is like, I think, the big new politics of Star Wars, I love that you can choose to map real world politics over it. But it yeah. can also just be a sort of civics lesson in the abstract yes. that makes you think personally about how you think government should function. It can. Right. And I, I, you know, infamously saw Phantom Menace eight times in the theater. Um, <laughs> one of the reasons I continue to see it is my roommate at the time, who was a history major, um, studied World War II, uh, Hitler and Nazi uh, history, just, just studied it. That was part of his studies. Um, and just very sick. I am too dumb to recall exactly. And it's been, what, 1999, a lot of years. <laughs> but he was like, oh, no, no. Here's the story. Fan. It's a br- 
brilliant movie because it's this, and it was about the British, uh, the British going to war in more of a, a Africa-based uh, fight with the the natives, and, and he laid it mm. out. And I thought, I, I wish I, I should have dug it up. I, I don't talk to him much anymore, um, but it. It was the story of Phantom Menace. Yeah. And I was, like, fascinated by, wow, did George sit down and look at 17th, 18th century history, you know, like I say, a George R.R. R. Martin who does with Game of Thrones, who, right. who pulls it in from all points of history. And um, it made so... Like viewings four, five, and six for me telling people, no, no, you're 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 forgetting. No, you're not. You're <laughs> overlooking what the movie is about. It's not about a wizard kid. It is about this, and and it does line up. Well, I don't think George intended it that way. No, uh, and so yeah, it's not about. I I don't think necessarily George. I I believe in my heart that George didn't go out to take down politics in the early 2000s or late 90s. I think it was already part of it, but it just, it, like a lot of things in life, it sinks up because history is secular in, yeah. in many ways. Yeah. So that's what it is fascinating. And fascinating about George himself. Yeah. This, this is a man who wanted to make Apocalypse Now. He was mm-hmm. in line to do it. Right. Mm-hmm. And all right, that'll make this. I'll make right. my space widget story, but it's about other things. Yeah. Right. And I, I think that's, uh, you know, you, you, you get what you want to out of the prequels. And that's the yeah. thing is like the Trade Federation, it's, uh, it, it is portrayed in not the most exciting way, but like, Imagine that in the real world. Imagine if mm-hmm. Amazon said, you know what? We want to be more of a political force. New Jersey isn't paying us enough. Yeah. We're, we, Amazon, are going to blockade New Jersey. None of us would find that boring if Amazon decided no one comes in or out of New Jersey. And if you don't like it, we're going to block. We're, we're going to turn off New Jersey's internet. And CEO Bibble in New Jersey is like, uh, communications breakdown. You can only mean one thing. Amazon is down. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's so That's fascinating ins- because yeah. it's, uh, I left to go to the gym this morning, and there were no less than three of those white Amazon trucks with stickers on them in my on my street. Oh, no. Amazon already has an army, Joseph. Oh, they have droidicas. They have dronicas <laughs> and drones. That, that is a great way to break it down. Yeah. Never, yeah. That is genius, Joseph. Aww. You are a genius. I'm glad to be basking your glory. But yeah, that is what a lot of it is. Yeah. And, yeah. That, and that, I think, is why like only now and through your guys' influence am I really starting to appreciate the prequels, which is exciting. It's like uncovering this, this whole story mm-hmm. that I just kind of glossed over because I'm like, eh, whatever. But when you tell that and you relate it to Amazon, that's exciting. Yeah. And, but I mm-hmm. feel like maybe it was the execution that wasn't quite as exciting for me. Yeah. But that's why I like Bloodline yeah. is because Bloodline. the execution is really. And I, and I do want to talk about that, but yeah, but yeah, for, you know, poor Natalie Portman delivering. So this is how democracy dies with thunderous right. applause. Not a great line, not her fault, um, but it is a still a tremendously valid point. Yep. Exactly, it's still all the little ETs and Chewbaccas and everyone, all the Wookies in the in the po- in the Senate pods are clapping and cheering mm-hmm. why this crazy man blames the Jedi, and then also the Jedi were a little bit wrong too. You know, it's this fascinating thing right. and how uh, heroes emerge like Bail Organa, Mon Mothma. And there's things in the – there was – by the time Sith came, there was storylines cut out and I, I, I believe, you know, deleted scenes through deleted for a reason. And I've seen some of the scenes. They were not great at the point that they're finished because I'm sure they weren't the finished product. Bai Ling was in one of them. You know, yeah. She's playing a senator and all this stuff. They're bad scenes per se. But the point was there was some – Something very interesting that I left Sith disappointed that we didn't get to see the formation of the rebellion in terms of a bunch of senators meeting going, what are we going to do? Yeah. We got a problem. And it started as a political problem. It wasn't about rebels. It wasn't about X-wings and Y-wings. Yeah. 
it started in a room. And I was a little disappointed that that was cut. I get it, looking at the scenes now. God bless Bai Ling, but yeah. shouldn't have been there. You know? <laughs> yeah, but, you know, he, he, Lucas obviously struggles sometimes to connect ideas to the human. And I think yeah. that's a lot of the problems of the executions in, mm-hmm. in the prequels. But the actual stories are fascinating. Mm-hmm. And if you're yeah. willing to sort of add a little of the humanity yourself and pile that into them that yeah. he missed, then you got something really great. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So before we get to Bloodline, which I think we should spend some time on, you have a, a great idea, Joseph, about the brief scene in New Hope. Yeah. Which is it's politically heavy. It, it is it is pretty important to the Star Wars story and it's a minute less. Yeah. And that is, of course, with Tarkin. Right. And But it does break down political systems. I think yeah. George Lucas is distrusting of large organizations, which mm-hmm. I think is maybe why we also get the story of a Jedi Council that is good and just and means mm-hmm. well, but is too rigid and doesn't quite function because he just doesn't like organizations. So it's really right. fascinating that the first bit of politics we hear mm-hmm. in Star Wars is a breakdown of not only a, a dictator taking the biggest step mm-hmm. of saying we've wiped out the Senate, but the first immediate question is, a, a political response of like, well, then how are we going to maintain control? control. Yeah. I'm like, well, the governors are going to have control of it, you know? Yeah. And that it's going to be fear of this battle station. So that right. idea that, you know, right away in the very first Star Wars, it, a little boring political scene where he puts forth very big ideas about governmental structure and that you don't need governmental structure if everyone is always terrified yeah. that they will be killed. It's a giant, it's a giant scene. Yeah, it really is, it, and it was always one. Even even young uh, as a kid, not fully understanding it, but again, I saw Jedi first just because the yeah. way it was as my age. Um, so to go back and be like, oh, they're talking about that Emperor guy. He's not just some dark Jedi uh, in a robe. He was a guy again, knowing the Journal of the Wills, reading about it. Like that did intrigue me. Uh, I, I'm not. It's not uh, me. It, Going back and retroactively, I as a young kid was like, "What does that mean? He's who? Are, what are senators like? He he wiped them out, like <laughs> wipe out all the senators, wipe them out." Um, and and then you're right, the fear of this battle station—that's a giant thing. So it would make sense that we'd want to hear that story. Yeah, that going back to the prequels. But I love that scene. It's not a scene you should overlook if you're if you're a younger Star Wars fan. Go back and study it. It's a lot of key stuff there. Yeah, yeah, and the idea of regional governors of like basically having like terrifying little fiefdoms. Governor Tarkin, Governor yeah. Price now in the Rebels cartoon yeah. series. Uh, they're important characters. How do you feel about it, Jennifer? Was it, did it ever connect with you uh, emotionally, that scene? Um, you know what it did? Was it just the fact that it was all these British white men? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that to me was what, what was so such a stark contrast was you had the Rebels that are scruffy looking. There's mm. so much diversity, different creatures. And yet the Empire was very, you know monochromatic, mm-hmm. so to speak. Yeah. So that was, and I was not really sure as a child what that meant, but I just knew that it meant that the Empire was bad, and yeah. George Lucas was trying to say something. Now, of course, I, I see it a little bit differently. And I also would see like the, the Death Star almost like an atomic bomb, and mm-hmm. how we've used nuclear weapons and things like that to keep people afraid and keep control and, you know, things mm-hmm. like that. But mm-hmm. Yeah. And even, I can almost even see Vader's sort of agitation towards the Death Star of, like, Vader would rather go some, and scare someone 
in person. Mm-hmm. And like, there's mm-hmm. almost even, he wants more of a human connection when he's oppressing people. Like, mm-hmm. oppressing people with a ball from space seems cold. <laughs> you let me go to the, on the planet, and I can let my shadow loom over them and maybe play with my lightsaber hilt, and it'll be a little bit more personal. Yeah, right. I, really get, I really get good stuff down there. Yeah. I'm, I'm like a living room agent. I go make my deals in the living room. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but uh, uh, Bloodline, uh, yeah. Claudia Gray's book, her follow-up, uh, her follow-up work after her great work in Lost Stars, she uh, gets to uh, quote unquote graduate from the youth market to this, but I put I put quotations around youth because Lost Stars was such a fantastic book. Um, uh, she's such a great writer, and uh, this one particularly, you're in the midst of it right now, Jennifer. Right? I am, and I'm loving it, mm-hmm. loving it. It is Leia like I never imagined. Claudia Gray is such a fantastic writer, and it just makes pol- the Star Wars politics. Fascinating. Yeah, it and proves exciting. that they're not boring. They it are proves not that it's execution. Boring. It's not that they shouldn't be in Star Wars. Oh yeah, I mean, I mm-hmm. wish we could see a, a film, uh, you know, like this. Obviously, I don't think that will happen. But I just, I like it a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And for, yeah. For people who haven't read Bloodline, there will probably be a little spoilery. Um, maybe a yeah, little bit. Yeah, a little bit. But little I think bit. the big picture thing that, that is most interesting to me about Bloodline is the actual political disagreement. Because mm-hmm. it is a legitimate one for the first time. It's not. It's the first time we're not seeing it sort of being manipulated by uh, Palpatine. It's a right. legitimate disagreement about how gov- government should function. The idea that there are populists who think that the planets should have a little bit more control and autonomy because they know it's best for them. And then these centrists who think that there should be a strong central government. Right. So it's these big political ideas that are now freed from being at least in the way they're presented in Bloodline, they're kind of freed from being good or evil. They're just ideas of government. And the way it's portrayed is that the government was, the New Republic's kind of Mm loosey-goosey, so planets do have a little bit more control. The laws aren't on the books to be rigid and controlling, but Mon Mothma is just a force of personality held it all together. And that, to me, is fascinating. Right. Because... My own sort of political leaning is like, yeah, you're going to get a less gridlock if you have a strong central figure who mm-hmm. has more power, who can make decisions faster, right. which is great when you have a Mon Mothma, who right. is a kind, benevolent person. Mm. Right. Terrible when you have wrinkled, evil Emperor Palpatine. Right. So right. I love that the book introduced all of those ideas of government free of cartoonish good or evil. Mm. Yeah, it, it it makes it uh, it you can apply it to real world stuff now. Yeah. And it was for me in in the Star Wars bubble, it was fascinating going back to like say Heir to the Empire with Timothy Sands novels, where what happens after the Death Star is destroyed and what goes on. And it seemed like there was um, a sense of like we won, cool, we're all on the same team. Oh, now there's some a dark clone Jedi, and it wasn't so much. There was some politics in the in in that for sure, but eventually became, it was about. Our heroes versus Thrawn. Yeah. Um, so when the when the First Order and the Resistance and all these things get introduced into the Force Awakens, I thought there was a need for more politics in the Force Awakens. Yeah. Understood completely why they were like, let's not start the series again with some, <laughs> some votes yeah. or something like that. <laughs> Got it. But this kind of, you know, they also knew this novel was coming and was going to help explain that. It, one of the confusing things was, well, why is Leia and the Resistance on the outs? And 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 the New Republic's not really with them or backing them, and and this 
But the scroll says that they're backing them. But well, then we don't see that in the movie. We don't really see. You get the sense that the resistance is this little, the new band of rebels. But it's like slightly confusing. But like Leia's Princess Leia. Like, you know, like, yeah. why is she now a general? Like, I, it was cool. But it was like I didn't, I struggled to understand it until you dig into it a little bit. And this book explains it. Her and Mon Mothma are on oppo- opposing sides at times. Yeah. Um, she, Leia is a, a populist. At times, Leia is painted as this warmongering, fearmongering type of person saying there's still a, th- a threat of bad and, and there's still something going on. So it sets it up and, and lets you kind of see why the First Order was allowed to kind of grow and build and build an entire planet as a weapon yeah. underneath everyone's gaze because, you know, everyone on Hosnian Prime didn't care as much. They were focused on power controls, power grabs. That's what's so fascinating about how they did the Pollux to, to me in this book. It was yeah. a different take on it. It made more sense that the Empire falls and chaos starts. Yeah. And yeah. after two generations of war, just the desire for for sentient beings to not be at war, yeah. it, to me, kind of explains a lot of their policy of appeasement of like, mm-hmm. you know, I yeah, we hear some rumors that maybe some people are amassing some weapons here and there, but it's probably fine. <laughs> <laughs> like, understandable, understandable. We're over here in Hosnian Prime now. We changed locations. <laughs> we're good. Yeah, we're more friendly, open government. Yeah. Uh, how do you feel about what you've read so far in Bloodline, the uh, Bloodline politics? I like that, like you're saying, there's it, it kind of, uh, sometimes I'm like, oh, yes, I think the populists are right. Sometimes I'm like, no, the centrists are right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's this, and I can't remember the planet that she goes to or the the world where she goes down into these caverns and she mm-hmm. sees how these people are living almost like in poverty in some sense. And yeah. she's like, oh, I'm seeing how not by people, by the planets being able to control their own planets or whatever, they're not able to help their own people if they don't have the money. And am I reading that right? And if there was stronger government that they might be able to intervene and help these people. So I I just thought that that was really fascinating. And I also thought the character of Castrofo, is that Mm -hmm. his name? Castrofo, how he has all that memorabilia from the Empire. And he's kind of, at least where I am right now, he's like kind of worships that and that time and what that represented, like law and order and stuff. Yeah, sense. and I think that's, you know, we've talked a lot about all of the canon books really getting into not good versus evil, but order versus chaos. Right. Yeah. And I love that, that it's an honest depiction of somebody who's like, well, yeah, I know they were evil and they, you know, destroyed whole planets for natural resources and all that, but man, the trains ran on time. Yeah, yeah. and if it had been someone else other than the Emperor, than this crazy guy running it, it could have actually been a good thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's very earnest and seems like a very naive fellow, mm-hmm. which I, I mm-hmm. like. They're not painting him as just a typical villain. Yeah. At least right now. Yeah, right now. Well, it, it changes. There's some great stuff. And I, I not knowing the point, I don't want to go spoil anything for even you, Jennifer. But there's some unsighting incidents and some great stuff. And then, you know, we're we're in this ugly political uh, election cycle, which don't 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 uh, kid yourself. Elections have been ugly since the beginning. Read John Adams running for, for president and some of the stuff. Personal letters being published about him and the way he treats his family. And, and this gets into some of that stuff too with her her Leia's opponents, where it's mm. nasty bad stuff, and it's just like it 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 just took so much real world stuff and put it in this galaxy far far away, and it and it came off as suspenseful. Yeah, so good. Yeah, yeah, and I just really uh, I appreciate all of the political stories over Star Wars, and I appreciate that just like all the other stories stories in Star Wars, they have nice rhythms. They mm-hmm. you know it's generational and it repeats. Anakin's weird little speech. 
uh, to Padme on Naboo that in episode two that some people don't know, like, does he mean that? Or is he, is he letting his politics slip and then pretends to be joking when the girl he likes is like, that's bad. Mm. But he's basically kind of making the, the argument of the centrists in bloodline way back right. in episode two that oh, I think that everybody should get together. And then one person should talk to them all and make the decision. Make the decision. And, and, and if they're not doing what they said, they're going to do that. One person should take care of it. Like <laughs> when we hear Anakin say that, they're like, Oh my God, Anakin already believes in the empire. Right. But then it's also like, he's just a, he's just a centrist. What? What's yes. wrong with that? <laughs> I'm telling you, you could do it. You could do a Netflix series. You know? Yeah, for sure. Star it Wars could absolutely politics. be house of yeah. cards. And yeah. Palpatine turn Ooh. into the camera. Yeah. Um, we did get one question. I, we should probably wrap yeah. up, uh, yeah. obviously. Uh, but we did get one question uh, from Josh Eddy, who uh, sensed through the force that we were going to be covering this topic, because uh, he, he asked for just sort of general political thoughts. But he did specifically ask how much politics we thought would or should be in episode eight. So I thought maybe that would be a good question to close out our main topic on. I think slightly more than Force Awakens. I think yeah. we need some explanations for the general public, people who aren't reading Bloodline and these other ones, um, to make that an understanding uh, of why it was important that Hosni and Prime and the five uh, five planets there and the, and the Republic Navy, uh, uh, the ships, got destroyed. And what yeah. it really now, um, what what that meant. Um, Ryan Johnson had something to do with Bloodline. He, he uh, There's a giant plot point that he influenced and kind of wanted put there. And so I think you'll see some payoff. Yeah. I think you might see some of these, not necessarily the characters from, from Bloodline, but you'll see, I think you'll see some of it. I think I think it's time. I think Force Awakens came back with the, with a flashbang and a boom, mm-hmm. but now we have a little bit of moment to, to go back and, and, and learn a little bit what got us there. Yeah. I think yeah. they'll do just just right amount. Yeah. Jennifer? Yeah, I concur. And I think as I finish Bloodline and once I dive into Aftermath and and uh, mm-hmm. the one after that. What is the one after life, that? Life debt. Life debt. Thank you. Yeah, I think that because, I mean, like you look at The Force Awakens and now having re- read more about Hosni and Prime, it's like, oh, okay. And Corsella, is that? Corsella, yeah. Yeah, Her so assistant, yeah. It adds so much depth. So they have to explore that in episode eight. And I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And, but just the right amount. And isn't it sad when you start reading about Corsella? Oh, my gosh. Corey. And her Corey. and her her end in Force Awakens. It's horrible. It's it's so horrible. I wish we had got more. We'll never get that chance to go back unless there's some Force Awakens prequel that we'll see. I but, know. Yeah, it yeah. was one of the bad. Th- I get that they had to cut some of that stuff out. Yeah, get it. But uh, yeah, good character. My big hope for Episode Eight is that they make the story be that the government wasn't particularly well organized. Mm-hmm. They didn't have like a lot of backups. There's no designated survivor in a bunker on Hoth. Right. And the government is gone. Cause we haven't told that star Wars story yet. Right. We've right. told about fighting over the government, but there's always been a government still in power. It would be great if episode eight was the galaxy. The whole galaxy is in chaos mm-hmm. yeah. because there just isn't a government. Yeah. And then we'll I, find out who Snoke is. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, and I think, um, I think that's going to be part of it. I think there's a there's a, to, to go to Game of Thrones. Chaos is a ladder, and I think uh, as a lot of people people might be trying to fill the void. Yeah, and that could be part of what Leia has to deal with, and what I hope Leia has to deal with. Yeah, be good. that'd be a lot a lot of good Leia time. In God, episode, is it eight. episode eight time yet? Oh, come on. Yeah, just, you just got to get through Darth Vader and the Space Monkey. <laughs> just got to do it. Um, guys, that is our discussion on politics in Star Wars. It, it could go on forever. It is deep. It is definitely an important part of the Star Wars galaxy. It's an important part of George Lucas's outlook on filmmaking and storytelling and why he does the things that he does. It's not just laser swords and space wizards, though that is certainly fun. So let us know your takes. Let us know uh, out there, too. You can go on our Facebook page or our Twitter page, uh, Twitter feed at Four Center Pod. Let us know what you want to see in Episode 
accommodate politics-wise. How much, how little, and maybe things you're looking for and answers uh, you want um, from some of the bigger questions that Force Awakens and these books are raising. We got time for maybe one audience question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, we, yeah. Let's do. It. We got Did one we? serious one, one yeah, fast, let's fun do it. one. Let's okay. Do it. Let's so uh, Omar Amin asks, why do Jedi never show the same emotional shock from Death Stars blowing up like Obi Wan did for Alderaan? Hypocrisy. <laughs> it's a, it's a fun question. Yeah. I think there are some functional answers in that. Yeah. Obi Wan was already one with the Force right. when the Death Star blew up, so that could be a special edition add-on mm-hmm. at some point where the Death Star blows up in A New Hope and mm-hmm. we cut to Yoda on Dagobah making soup and he drops his spoon. <laughs> oh, I like that. Um, <laughs> that's good. Yeah. I certainly get the idea of the hypocrisy here. Yeah. Hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. Again, goes back to the notion of good versus evil. We're yep. supposed to root for the dead. Hey, everyone in the Death Star is dead. Yay. Yay. Uh, but then you go to Lost Stars and you start seeing the other side of that. There were janitors. Right. There was janitors there. There were guys there. Um, but I, I don't know. There's, there's something to be said for... Uh, if 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 you were to do a, a smash cut of a bunch of surviving Jedi's at the time the Death Star blows up, they might be a reaction. But it also, uh, these are battle hardened guys and, and gals and, and alien creatures. And I go to, you know, I, I go to uh, my own personal experiences to, uh, here on the on, on this coast during nine eleven when I was working for some people who were former SWAT team guys, and they were not affected like the rest of us. Mm. No. My boss sat there silently because it was just. It, yeah, it's bad. It's horrible. But yeah. I'm not going to overact because that's my job is to not overact to these situations. And I think there's a little bit of that with the Jedi. Absolutely. I think they're not going to be like, oh, thousands of people will be like, all right, this is bad. How are we going to do this? How are we going to yeah. deal with it? I think it is part of the Jedi philosophy that we certainly see from Luke in Return of the Jedi multiple mm-hmm. times where he's like, hey, can we just work this out? If mm-hmm. not, the lightsabers are coming out. Yeah. And I feel yeah. like, you know, that's the Death Star blown up is the lightsaber coming out. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. they don't allow themselves to feel that type of emotion. I think that's a great, that's a great mm-hmm. analogy. Yeah. Like they are, you know, officers, mm-hmm. military in some sense, that they're not going to allow themselves to go there. They have to jump into action mm-hmm. and have a calm mind about that. Yeah. yeah. One more quick question that I want to ask for Jennifer. Martin Grinter <laughs> on Facebook says, do you think we'll ever see Ewoks again? Yes. I'm saying yes. We're go- we're somebody's gonna do it. Yeah. Even if it's just one scurrying in the background, somewhere we're gonna see an Ewok. Yep. I think episode nine. You think? I think maybe episode nine. You, see main, you think main trilogy, huh? I think main trilogy. I, I think, think when so the government's too. reformed, <gasps> an Ewok chancellor. And well, oh, I was gonna say an Ewok celebration. Chancellor Chirpa. <laughs> chancellor well, we haven't Chirpa. even got into the politics of Ewoks. <laughs> no, we haven't. Oh, could have a half hour on that. Now there is, yeah. I think, yes, there will be an Ewok at some point. I don't know if it'll be in a movie, Jennifer. Ah. It might be in a series. It might be in a comic book. It might be uh, in a, a, I mean, the mention of the Ewoks uh, being therapy Ewoks uh, was hilarious enough and and touching and sweet enough. So So we know they have a relationship with the New Republic. Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. So I think at some point we'll get some more Ewoks. I'm sure they're going to be careful in how they do it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We wouldn't, in episode nine's. Ewoks and Colin Trevorrow seems like an interesting combination. <laughs> yep. It seems dangerous, too, because it's too reflective of Return of the Jedi, so that's probably what they'll do, Ooh, <laughs> just to upset wow, people. Wow, wow. <laughs> but I hope we do see Ewoks again. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Good. So uh, I think we're ready to wrap it up with some we plugs. We are ready to wrap it up. Uh, we want to thank you guys for following us on this journey through all the things, big things coming in 2017. And if you're a new listener because you found my uh, fat mug on Jedi uh, Council of our Collider, thank you. A lot of you, uh, a lot of people were so happy to see me on there because they said, 
we haven't heard you talk Star Wars in a long time <laughs> since you left Jedi Alliance. Uh, we've been doing it here in Force Center for a while, so yeah. I don't care when you join the train. Come on the Force Center train. It is fun. We're glad to have you there. You can follow us on Twitter at Force Center Pod. Now, uh, Joseph, as always, we like to set goals. That's right. And we have a goal for 1,500 Twitter followers that we would like to hit. And then the reward for us hitting 1,500 Twitter followers is then we will push something else. So really, <laughs> the motivations are, are huge. But we are, uh, we're trying to not only advertise episodes, but uh, try to grab news, try to have some just Star Wars fun on our Twitter account. It's a great way to just build up numbers, and numbers matter for us things going to like conventions and getting on other shows and things like that. So uh, getting us, following us on Twitter helps us out a lot. So Absolutely. We are currently sit, sitting at 1245 at the time of this recording, and so it's been close. growing up. Uh, it's been growing uh, the numbers have been going up since uh, we started this push. Again, like Joseph said, we I think we try to be honest in this age of, of social media and podcasts and everything. When we try to go to a place like Stanley's uh, LA Comic Con, where they were grateful enough to take us, um, we tried to do another panel, but hey, it didn't work out. Not necessarily because we're small or anything like that, but they had other plans. But we'd like we'd like to come around and say, hey, we're Force Center. Here's our numbers. We'd like to do this. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, look at your numbers. Look at yeah. this. Yep. It is important in that way. It's not just an ego thing, uh, though we'd love to have 15 million followers and, and sell Jennifer Landy Ewok t-shirts. Um, <laughs> that's just why we're asking. You guys are so good and responsive with the iTunes rating and reviews. That helped a lot, too. It is all part of the tapestry of... Of success in this modern age, and we want you to follow us at Force Center Pod. And don't forget, we have the Facebook page. Go there, send us messages. We've gotten some long messages. Uh, yeah, it's great. Fun to respond to, or fun to just read. Even though I might not have time to respond, or the other Jennifer and Joseph might not have time to respond to either. We do read them all. So that is that on Twitter, and you got some stuff coming up locally, Joseph. Uh, that's right. You can follow me on all the Twitter, Instagram, all the social medias at Joseph Scrimshaw. Uh, you can also come to my shows, uh, particularly if you live in Los Angeles. I've got a show coming up this Thursday, November 10th. It's called Headcanon. It's a comedy game show about pop culture where we ask charming people ridiculous questions about pop culture, and they give us funny answers. It's a ton of fun. Our guests are really awesome. Uh, we have Mike Furman, who is the original comedy partner of Mr. Chris Hardwick. Mike Furman is one of the funniest humans alive, in my opinion. Uh, great comedian Amber Preston and the star of the new IFC show, Stand Against Evil, Janet Varney, is also our guest. So it will be a really great show. You can find out all the information on my website at josephscrimshaw.com. Headcanon is a great show. Uh, and Jennifer Landa, you are here with us as always, but you got other things you do in the Star Wars universe. I do, yes. You can find me on Twitter at Jennifer Landa. And it's not Halloween anymore, but why not? If you have a spare moment, check out my post on starwars.com, the official Star Wars blog, where I share how to make your own gonk droid costume. <laughs> I don't think it needs to be Halloween for that article to be relevant. Why not? Who wouldn't just want to dress as a gonk droid? For hol- the holiday season. Yeah. I'll be a Thanksgiving gonk. Yeah, Christmas gonk. <laughs> gonk. Arbor Day gonk. <laughs> never time, never not time. It'll for get a gonk you out droid. of awkward conversations with your family if you don't want to talk politics this holiday season. Gonk, gonk it up. Gonk, gonk. That's great. Yeah, I highly recommend you go check out Jennifer's work on uh, her YouTube channel as well, guys. Uh, you can follow me at Kenapsuck across all social media platforms. It's so great to talk Star Wars with y'all. Until next time, vote Leia. We'll see ya.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. Use the stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.